Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy Romance and Romantic Fantasy, depending on how you slice it. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Not my ideal, having the milkless espresso again today. But I think it did make a difference yesterday. In fact, I know it made a big difference. So there we are. Um, sometimes we have to make sacrifices. My nose is a little runny today still, but hopefully I won't uh, be too sniffly. Um, I'm not happy with my with my setup here. Hang on. There, that's a little better. I had to lower the desk a bit more. My hydraulic desk. I was feeling like I was looking up. I was reading, um, well, it was... I wasn't reading it. I was seeing it. I almost never watch videos. The video that I shared yesterday of the lecture um, on design, on improving design, one of the examples they used was uh, some engineers who had come up with a wheelchair that would actually make itself, it, it's like a transformer. It lifts up and creates a high seated chair so that the person in the wheelchair can be eye to eye with uh, people who are standing. And it was because they realized that people in wheelchairs are forever looking up. They're always looking it up at other people and other people are always looking down at them. And the design principle that they were illustrating on this, which I found very interesting, was that they said that it's the opposite of the customer is always right. It's that the customer doesn't know what they want. Uh, which I thought, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, and they were using the example of the wheelchairs because they said, no, we don't. You know, that so many of these companies have gotten into the mode of, um, I didn't say what today was, and I should have because it's Monday. No, it's not. It's Tuesday. <laughs> uh, Monday was a wash for me. It wasn't a great day. Uh, Tuesday. May 4th. So may the 4th be with you. I've been meaning to say that from the moment I sat down and then I got all distracted. So anyway, design principles of wheelchairs. The customer's not always right because the customer doesn't know what they want. And we've gotten so heavily into this whole thing of like focus groups and, you know, people giving feedback and refining and saying what they want. And the group that worked on this wheelchair said, no, we didn't go and ask people who spend their lives in wheelchairs what they want, because all they'll do is tell you things like, we want bigger cup holders, which I thought was funny right there. And instead, what they did was they were trying to find ways to improve on wheelchairs, to make wheelchairs better. So they had the design team, the engineers, um, ride around in wheelchairs, so spend a whole bunch of time in wheelchairs and see what they observed. How could this design be improved coming at it from a design perspective? And that was one of the things that they noticed was that they were like, I'm always looking up at people and it's aggravating. Um, and I think that that would really work on you mentally too. I, I obviously don't know, but so when they created this wheelchair that could transform and actually lever up so that somebody could like be at a cocktail party and be speaking eye to eye to other people, um, the users loved it. 
but he said that they weren't able to, they don't have the tools to envision what it is that they could possibly have. They can't think in those terms because you get kind of locked into the, um, the reality of what you have and that you can't think past it. I think this is super true of readers and you readers out there maybe can confirm for me. Um, but you know, one thing that we love to do is talk about like, what tropes are we tired of? Um, what are our pet peeves? And readers are always saying, oh, I don't want another book like X. I'm so tired of X. But then I'm forever seeing, and I think experiencing, and you all are, are seeing this too. Like right now I'm reading a reverse harem. And before this, I think I would have said, I, I don't, not interested in reverse harem. I don't want to read a reverse harem, but I'm really kind of enjoying this reverse harem. Um, I think we don't know what we want until we're handed it. And then we're like, oh, nummy. <laughs> I think this is also true for you authors out there of agents and editors that, and it's part of why they're, their wish lists and criteria are so perplexing because they're always saying, well, um, I want a book like X, but well, this would be like the editors. Um, you know, I, I want a book like interview with the vampire, but different. And then you give them your book, which is like about vampires living in the current world. And they're like, no, it's um, not fresh enough. And then you give them your book about space vampires and they're like, whoa, no one wants to read about space vampires. <laughs> Not that fresh. It's because they don't know what they want until they get it, which is a really good argument for just writing whatever the fuck you want to write because you just don't know. Um, you know, and those of you who have been listening for a while know about what I went through on Dark Wizard that at first uh, my agent loved the concept and then when she got the book she hated it and I've had you know like my sobbing conversations with various other author friends who've gone through this same thing um, <laughs> I have one friend who uh, pitched her book and I can't give you her pitch because it would tell too much but um, what's an what's a something else I could do um, this is not it, but it would be like um, to kill a mockingbird, but with romance. And her agents came back and she was super excited about this idea. And it was something much better than to kill a mockingbird. But you can insert a uh, recent media phenomenon of your choice plus romance. And her agent came back to her and said, well, I don't even know what that would look like, which is your agent telling you that they don't like the idea. And then my friend, who was really sad about this, um, sent me a publisher's marketplace announcement of somebody selling like a two or three book deal that was To Kill a Mockingbird with Romance. I mean, pitched exactly that way. And they like got a book deal on it. And she's like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> it, it's a downside of agents. Um, you know, that that's part of the job they do for us is help assess the marketplace. But you're also dealing with their personal feelings and insights. 
And people don't always know what you want, what they want until you give it to them. Okay, I'm going to pause because I have to blow my nose. It's better than leaking snot on my video, right? So, um, yeah, I think that that's really interesting. And it's, it's one reason why it's so great that we can self-publish today. Uh, my friend is writing her book, uh, to Kill a Mockingbird with Romance, only it's it's really cool. You guys will like it. She's writing it anyway, and I was like, self-publish. I've, I've turned into Grace Draven, who was always telling me that. She's like, just self-publish it. Um, you know, and that's what I went through on Dark Wizard. And, and, and it's still selling well. You guys have been so great. And people telling me they love Dark Wizard. And I have so many pre-orders for this book. And... It's just, um, you know, you hit people at the right time or the wrong time, you know, and focus groups. I don't know. We'll move on from this topic. I do have a shout out today uh, to uh, Lone Wolf. I'll show it on here. Lone Wolf, which is a new anthology. Sorry, I'm getting all sorts of reflection on there. I can move it over there. Uh from Diana Palmer, Kate Pearson, Re Rebecca Zanetti. It's kind of funny to me that uh, Diana Palmer is the name with the great big letters on there and Kate and Raz are more down at the bottom because I've, I've read Kate and Raz, but I haven't read Diana Palmer. She must be like, um, actually, I'm not familiar. Oh, I'm going to sneeze. Sorry about that. I had a total sneezing fit. So then I... Had to blow my nose again, and I took advantage to go put my lipstick back on again since I've wiped it all off. This really is better, even though I'm sneezy today. Um, I'm not feeling that tiredness from allergies. So, ah, um, we had big rain yesterday, which is great, even a hailstorm. And so uh, now things are, it's the desert, you know, water hits it and it's like, poof. Um, it, it's miraculous. You can actually see the desert visibly green. I mean, it's like all the chlorophyll starts popping out and it's, um, it's really amazing to watch. I've thought about like doing a time lapse of it. So anyway, back to Diana Palmer, Kate Pearson, Rebecca Zanetti. Here we go. If I get my angle right, I get it without. <laughs> anyway, it's a pretty cover. I'll put it on the show notes and stuff, but it's um called Lone Wolf. I had yet to mention that critical piece of information. All new, first time in print. I assume that means that the stories from the people are all new. You know how like sometimes the publishers try to trick you? They are not tricking you this time. Uh, so very nice mountains in the background. You've got your cowboy on the horse and the faithful dog. Gotta love it if they put the dog on the cover. Um, and let's see what this is about. I've got it here on my computer, though not scrolled to the proper point. So this is um, featuring the three authors I mentioned, Diana Palmer, Rebecca Zanetti, and Kate Pierce. Uh, there's a lot of talking points in here that... <laughs> Here, this is what we want. We want the summary. Um, <laughs> they keep telling me about you know, like Western romance legend Diana Palmer. Apparently, I don't read enough Western romance because I didn't know that. Um, okay, 
Here we go. They're combining their talents to celebrate what the wildest version of man's best friend, the noble wolf. Ooh, that is not a wolf on the cover. <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll, we'll go with it. Um, each novella revolves around a rugged man and his trusty wolf protector as an opportunity for happily ever afters arise. Filled with sizzling tension and well-drawn characters, animal and human alike, this anthology is sure to resonate with readers looking to answer the call of the wild and anyone who likes rugged men and wolves, let's face it, which is all of us. Um, so let's see. Diana Palmer's is called Colorado Cowboy. Fleeing her mother's killer, Esther Marist ends up at a rugged stranger's cabin, a wildlife rehabilitator with a menagerie that includes an elderly wolf. Elderly wolf. It's like Senior Pup Saturday, right? Uh, Matthews isn't the type to turn any creature away, <laughs> including Esther, apparently. As Esther heals, she realizes how much danger she's brought to his door and how far he'll go to protect her. Oh, gotta love the elderly wolf. Senior Pup Wolf Day. Kate Pierce does the wolf on her door, doorstep. Kate Pierce does such great, sexy stuff. Uh, Beth Baker senses her grumpy summer tenant may be in trouble when his pet wolf shows up at her door, demanding she follow. Connor O'Neill, solitary and stubborn, doesn't want Beth's help, but only he can show her how to trust again. And then Raz, the, those of you who know Rebecca Zanetti, she goes by Raz. Uh, rescue cowboy style. Trent Logan has his ranch, his friends, and his wolf. And that's more than enough until a shivering city girl runs into the cattle club to escape a Wyoming storm. Her eyes hold a world of secrets and he'll have to face the demons of his own past in order to save them both. Uh, it says Story Locale, Colorado. I assume that uh, she doesn't flee the Wyoming storm all the way across the border, although it wouldn't be hard to do. Um, that's, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, this looks great. Very fun. Um, the, and I, I won't make, um, I'll be good and not say anything about how they would maybe have to be ducking the law since you're not alone, allowed to own a wolf. Hey, it's Romancelandia. Anything goes, right? So anyway, um, Lone Wolf, Diana Palmer, Kate Pierce, Rebecca Zanetti. Looks looks delightful. Um, let's zoom in here a little bit. Not a wolf. Not a wolf. Um, but probably just as well because um, you could have a wolf hybrid. See, this is, this is knowing too much. This is why I don't write cowboys, you guys, because I lived in Wyoming for 20 years. And I worked for Wyoming Game and Fish for a really long time. And even before that, when I was a grad student in the zoology and physiology department at University of Wyoming, I worked with people who worked with endangered species, including wolves. And I just know way too much. People are always telling me, oh, well, you know, if you lived in Wyoming, you should write about cowboy heroes. And it's like, I've met real cowboys and they wear shit-stained Carhartts and have no manners. And <laughs> just not sexy, you guys. I mean, in theory, sexy, but um, 
a lot of cowboys. I mean, they're they're like the, well, I, I, I won't say that because I don't want to offend anybody, but, um, you know, they're, they're not, uh, they're not the most sensitive individuals. How's that? Let's do earrings today. And, and now all, all of you who know wonderful cowboys, you can tell me, um, you know, there's a difference between like the gentleman rancher or the, the rodeo cowboy, but you know, like even the rodeo cowboys, I've had friends who like totally got into the, um, rodeo cowboy thing and I have a niece who married a former rodeo cowboy and they are adrenaline junkies which is I mean maybe this comes back to like the whole alpha hole thing you know that we like it in theory we like the sexiness in theory but the the adrenaline junkie is not an easy guy to live with because he's totally especially as you age right I mean these are like gritty realities of life right which don't belong in romance necessarily. Um, you know, they, they've screwed up their bodies and then they're very careless about keeping track of them, taking care of them after that. All right. Today's earrings, very simple teardrop shape, uh, single wire, open teardrop just swoops down and comes back up. Um, I think these were my mom's. I think they came out of her jewelry collection. I don't wear them often for no good reason. You guys can tell that we're getting to the bottom of the jewelry cabinet because earrings are getting bigger and bigger. I had to put bigger ones near the bottom uh, and then we'll go over to the other side and do all the little tiny studs. Um, so yeah, but they, they do look pretty on, don't they? I should wear them more often. Uh, I, I did come across one pair that I was like, I hate these earrings and I'm not even going to feature them. I hate them so much. Um, they did not spark any fucking joy. So I decided, okay, let's, uh, let's just like eliminate them. They don't even get to see the light of day that there was kind of a history behind those earrings too, but I need to like take them for consignment or something or re-gift them. <laughs> It's hard though to regift something that you don't like yourself, even though you think somebody else maybe would like them. Now I'm thinking of people who would maybe like them, but I, I instead of making it an occasion gift, I could make it be a "Hey, do you want these earrings?" So, um, yeah, I'm almost out of time. And I think maybe instead of babbling on, I will just go ahead and call it good there. I will remind you all that First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. And you will find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all on Thursday. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>